Hey, Jeff. <laughs> hey, Mark. Boy, my reaction time. I'm like Johnny Fever over here. My reaction time is slow. This is the Connect Two podcast, season two, episode eleven. Eleven. Two hockey sticks. Two. How are you? Wouldn't that be seventy-seven? Seventy-seven. I guess. Uh, I'm good. How are you? I'm uh, I'm weird, man. There's lots of stuff going on. <laughs> Just came like, back from uh, camping. So uh, right, where were you guys camping? We went to uh, Greg Lake, which is part of William Switzer. Uh, I saw some of the pictures that your wife took. Yeah, yeah. Right? it's always my wife who takes better pictures than me the holiday photos well you know that's just the way it is she's, she's quick quick on you the need drop. you needed some time does yeah. she use her phone or does she have a camera no she uses her phone oh yeah and then she gets very frustrated because um it interests well maybe we'll talk about things i learned you can't you can't do those premium prints with a iphone maybe. although it does shoot pretty good video you might be able to yeah might be able to yeah um so if you're new to the channel rate review and subscribe and pass the word around we need to get up to a thousand subscribers we currently have nine so we're setting <laughs> we're setting a goal we want a thousand subscribers by the end of 2020 <laughs> by the end of 2023 2022 is too soon For, so a year and a bit now assuming we're still doing this i don't see why we wouldn't um so our coffee our coffee today is Ooh. very different. Yeah. It's from the Philippines. Wow. I didn't know they had it's a lot of Cafe Coffee. Coffee out of Vancouver. Uh, it is semi-washed. It should have flavor notes of tasting notes of semi-sweet chocolate and dried fruit. And yeah, and it's from um, it's from the Philippines. I think we need to get some coffee people in here. I think that'd be interesting. I think that would be great. Maybe the show morphs into a coffee a connoisseur. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not sure I'm a good enough taster to be a connoisseur. <clears throat> so no dad jokes? Do you have a dad joke? <clears throat> knock, knock. Who's there? No. <laughs> no. Who? No dad joke this week. I just didn't. I just oh. slipped my mind. <laughs> but boom. boom. Um, hey, so... Um, what did uh, what did Beethoven do in his grave? He uh, was he decomposing? He was decomposing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. I've heard variants of that one about like Schubert. And, yeah. What did Schubert say when they opened his grave? Leave me alone! I'm decomposing. It's rather grim, rather grim. Yeah. So, um, so what did I learn this week? So Anne Hesh passed away. Yep. Um, she uh, is quite something. She was uh, in her SUV. She was apparently quite hopped up on uh, on various different uh, narcotics and stuff. Yeah, there's some controversy about that because mm. uh, she bought a hat at a hat store an hour before the accident. And the vendor of the hat store, the owner, has posted some social media photos of her buying this hat and, and like a selfie they took. And he reports that she did not seem to be out of control out of control or intoxicated or now, you know, obviously you can't tell. And I presume if she had a regular habit, you know, you can probably build a tolerance, but um, well, she didn't seem to be incoherent or. Well, and my understanding is that in her family, there's been. It's it's not a they have a they have a bit of a 
history uh, i think her brother is passed and her yeah. father and mother all kind of not by natural causes right yeah sort of sort of a troubled family troubled uh, family and uh prone to this so and uh I mean, she's got two young, young kids yeah well not that young uh, i don't know yeah her older boy is is i think in his 20s mm, so okay. um yeah, and I think she had episodes of, of some sort of mental health a few years ago. I remember her from Another World, the the sitcom, sitcom the soap opera, and uh, she was on that like years and years ago. Which soap ago. opera? It was called Another World. Okay. Yeah, I remember her. Uh, that's where I first took note of <laughs> I her. I you were talking about, oh, Another World. Gonna... She'd have been in her 20s, and, and then she dated, uh, what's her name? Uh, Ellen. Ellen, you know. And then, uh, uh, and then she got married. She to got someone, married to like two different that. guys and yeah. had kids. So an interesting person. So rest in peace. Uh, I guess they've harvested some organs. Well, I knew which that, we were saying. I knew that earlier on that that they didn't look. She, she uh, so her uh, SUV uh, ended up running into a house. Yeah. and caused the house to burn down. Catch on fire. She, she got burned. She got burned, yeah. and so she yeah she succumbed to her burn. And, and I think she had an anoxic brain uh anoxic brain injury so yeah. she was not going to survive. so basically brain dead so they were waiting to find out how uh whether they could harvest her organs because apparently yep. that was a big thing to her sad it's very sad yeah. and they have like the ring camera thing of showing the the, the of course why not towards, and then you hear it go <laughs> yeah exactly and then that little uh six-year-old kid died that uh, that big super Oilers fan, Ben, uh, ben Stelter. Yeah. yeah, he's uh, well, you could tell. So he, I mean, he was a little kid, but he had kind of swollen up a ton, uh, probably as a result of both the cancer and the treatments and uh, the steroids. We uh, we had a, a friend, <clears throat> excuse me, a, a classmate of Paulette's from law school who passed away uh young like he would have been 29 maybe 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 very early 30s and same thing he had a yeah it is he had a a lung cancer but that non um there's a kind of lung cancer that they can't really do anything for because Mm -hmm. there's no tumor it's a very diffuse and um i remember um part of the treatment was steroids and same thing he was just kind of a slim not a very big guy and and he really had that same puffed up look so it's definitely part of the treatment so so that's sad um i have to admit i did wonder how many other you know kids passed away of diseases this week that we didn't hear about but you know no, always I, that. but but part of it was ben was trying to fundraise for kids with cancer right. so it was so that was, was his was, yeah, that was his his thing um he was always you know play the bomba baby i think uh it, it was really interesting how he connected so much with the, the team the team yeah um, and it wasn't just during the playoffs but it became even more important during the playoffs sure and yep. he had a bit of a run where every game that he went they would win so, so. he was kind of their lucky charm for a there while. you go right so that's that's kind of sad but, that is uh, sad i mean it's really really sad when somebody dies it's really sad when they're young and really haven't had a chance to uh live their life um the other thing is uh is uh i've been listening to podcasts so one of the podcasts that i listen to is uh pivot and uh scott galloway and uh uh, kara swisher um they um 
they're pretty good. But this this month it's scot free. Scot free August. Scot free yeah. August. So, so <laughs> and uh, I think there is because he's I think he's gone to the UK for an extended vacation or something. I thought it was Nantucket. He was going to Nantucket. Oh, Nantucket, because he was in London for a while. Maybe. Anyways. Anyway, they do their podcast uh, like like so. Yeah, not co-located. Not co-located, and and more than that, it's that uh, they have a team that helps put it all together. Of course, their our team is me. <laughs> so Here's and Sparky, <laughs> and he's not very useful. No, sorry, Sparky, but not having any hands. So <laughs> uh, we'll see if we can get uh, our team? video up. That'd be cool. Yeah, team would be good. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh. So. Um. But I've heard. Uh, Scott Galloway referred to as kind of like the poster boy for the business uh, business podcaster or the Howard Stern of business podcasting. Wow. Because he's just so popular with the business sect. Sure. It's interesting. He has interesting things to say. I don't always agree with everything he has to say. No, but that makes him interesting. Like Howard Stern's the same way, right? He, he's uh, candid and, and controversial. and a little blue good. sometimes. In oh, Stern. Yeah. Yep. But that's okay. Well, Galloway pushes it a bit too with the dick jokes. Oh, man. Not, so. okay, like, <laughs> listening to the Prof G podcast, he's going like, I'm carrying Elon's triplets. Yeah, he's, uh, a... he's a very funny guy. So, um, yeah, actually, we, we, we tripped on Pivot because Brene Brown had them on one of her podcasts. That's right. And I was like, hey, this I'm going to check this out. So I've been quite enjoying it. Mm -hmm. um, Do you listen to Brene Brown? Uh, not not as much lately. Um, I, I mostly listen to a lot of supernaturals. I find if I'm trying to work, if I have a podcast on that's just mindless stuff, it's good. If it's something that actually interests me, then I can I can't do both, right? Mm -hmm. So I've I've tripped across a podcast called uh, Marketing as Philosopher mm -hmm. by a, a fellow. Uh, I can't remember his name now. Flint something. I actually found a book at I think it was. Um, Goodwill. So Goodwill sell used books. And I found a book by this guy a few years ago called The Marketing, The Marketer as Philosopher. It's a phenomenal book, but it was never published. So it's a pre-published mm. uh, edition. You it. I think yeah. you mentioned it before. Yeah. And so I've read the book and I thought, well, this guy's got some really good, interesting ideas. And one day it just popped up in the podcast um, search. They, they do a podcast. It's only like seven or nine episodes, but so I'm finding that super interesting, but I can't, I cannot listen to it and try to do something else like Mark papers or whatever. Cause it's just, it's too compelling. Right. So I, I wind up listening, same thing with Brene Brown because it's like, Oh, this is interesting. So I wind up listening to a lot of just goofy, mindless stuff like our show sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and today we're going to talk about sort of revisiting the path. Yeah. But have you learned, what have you learned? Have you learned anything? Well, what I learned was, uh, well, about Anne Hesh and, oh, yes. uh, and about um, this podcast and uh, also learned that, uh, I mean, uh, Elon Musk is kind of like Donald Trump in that he says stuff and you can't really believe what he says. No. Because he says, uh, I, you know, he doesn't like to spend his, uh, his stock, his original stock, uh, but in the last... Uh, 11 months, I think he has cashed out $36 billion of tax. Right. 36B with a billion. I mean, it's an astonishing amount of money. And, uh, and it's just, oh, it's, it's just chump change. Like, I know. Like, 
Yeah. So, and, but it's, uh, I'm always the first in the last out. Well, you know, he didn't invent. So he is an investor, uh, an early investor in Tesla. He did not start Tesla. Oh, I didn't know that. No, he also, uh, he also did not start uh, SpaceX. He was mm. just early into it. He did not even start PayPal. No, I knew that. He, yeah. uh, but he was early into it. And sure. then, then there was like a, I think it was a palace coup. He ended up being the guy, the guy that had to um, go. Uh, well, he wanted to start a, an internet banking thing. And it was like, so he has the domain x.com. X.com. It was supposed to be a bank. Interesting. And uh, he's still sitting on the domain there 20 years later. I wonder so. if somebody has Q.com. <laughs> exactly um he's got daddy issues did you know that no i didn't i know that uh <laughs> i know well he's got uh, don't we all he's got he's got two new kids yeah but no no he well he's got issues with his kids his, but just last week or the week before his father was interviewed um and i guess his father is quite a successful south african entrepreneur and and he basically said stuff like not impressed by elon uh he'll never drive a shitty tesla he drives a, a range rover uh elon's getting fat he thinks he's a fatty because there was some pictures of him yeah, yeah. you know and uh his favorite child is not elon it's his brother i don't know he's got another weirdly named and i was like holy man that's wild and i guess elon has been very candid that he does not get along with his father or or, or you know care much for the man and this was like reciprocal but i was like so all that money you know all of that opportunity and yet it's still it's still, still the human a fundamental problem now I, I i have heard that elon is very hands-on though um so lex fridman uh, does a great podcast and he brings a bunch of people on scientists and, and he's had quite a few people who've worked for elon musk and one of them i can't remember the guy's name but was talking about um at Tesla, like he's a he's a brilliant engineer. Like mm -hmm. he's a little bit like Steve Jobs. Well, I didn't think he was uh, actually an engineer. I think he was. A, well, he's an engineer, like a te technical in, guy, but. an engineer in the pure sense of the term. Right. Like he's like he knows the stuff. You know, right. like he talks. Like he was talking about. Uh, oh no, it was a guy who started another space company, and um, I think eventually we wound up working for him. But he was talking about how. You know, Elon was, they were looking at different propellants and using solid fuel versus, and like he knew, he knew the tech, yeah, like inside and out. So he's not just an investor, playboy kind no, of guy. No, no, and I've heard um, that people like working with him, but he doesn't tolerate, like he is, uh, he is a, works hard and he does not tolerate like uh, failure. No, I, and I also heard from another employee of his that, as much as he's got going on, like this was a guy who was, I think, with SpaceX, you don't just go, hey, how are things going over at Tesla? Like when he's at SpaceX, he's at SpaceX. He's, this is what we're working on, this is what yeah. we're talking about. And the rest of it is like, uh, so almost like a little socially awkward or, or well, he, uh, I think he, you know, I, on the spectrum. I think he's on the spectrum. Yeah. So. Yeah. So if we're talking this, this is what we're talking about. Don't ask me about, uh, you know what his kid's name is xyz there or whatever or or just that's just not how he rolls so interesting um i learned i don't know i've been i've been i've been really fascinated recently with special forces 
and uh, I picked up a book I haven't read it yet on on applying special forces training or to business environments. And I found a guy who uh, is a Navy SEAL, and he's he's doing a, a series of podcast of uh, YouTube videos going through all the training. And then I started looking into other stuff, and I knew that we had um, here in Canada we have JTF two. I didn't really know much about them. There's not much to be known, but it they are much more impressive than I thought. So it turns out there's different tiers of special forces. And so Navy SEALs, <clears throat> those kind of things are tier two, uh, and it goes three, two, one, right? Whereas uh, a SEAL Team 6, which is called DevGru, that's a, a special division of the Navy SEALs in which you already have to be a SEAL for three years before you can even get to that. Uh, same as SAS in the UK, uh, Delta Force, mm -hmm. and... Our JTF two are considered a tier one um, special, special force. forces, so they are on par and highly respected by by um, these elite forces. So I was like, "That is that's pretty cool." That is very yeah. cool. I'm probably gonna visit by the RCMP now. Don't talk about JTF two on your podcast. <laughs> exactly. Sorry. Um, so I'll learn a bit about that. Um, yeah, that's kind of the crux of it, I guess. So tell me about your past. My past. Oh Where, so you were born in Montreal. <clears throat> I was born in Montreal. Well, suburb. Well, I was born in Montreal, um, and then I moved. Uh, we moved to Ville d'Anjou, which is a suburb, but more of a, a borough, I guess, or neighborhood, right? And we moved to a suburb when I was, I think, three. Uh, so I grew up in proximity to Montreal, which you know is amazing because if you think about, it's like twenty kilometers from downtown and yet it felt like like such a big distance a back in the miles. east right because yeah, yeah. there's just so many towns between where i grew up in the suburb and and downtown whereas here you know 20 kilometers from edmonton is basically still edmonton well right? you and it's you, a very different you grew up as a francophone right uh, bilingual okay. bilingual yeah i think yeah. i spoke english first and then i learned french okay. or i would have heard Were your it parents french or English. Uh, they're both bilingual. Okay. So, yeah. So I, I was, I think I spoke English first, but I could understand French. And when I went to kindergarten, so pretty young, then that would have immersed me. So I went to French school all the way through um, to um, college, actually, like okay. all through high school. And now you were born in Montreal as well. Yeah, I was born in Montreal, um, but we left when I was 12. So I, I'm an Anglophone and my parents were both immigrants right so um right around so this was in the mid 70s that uh, they there was a a language bill that came into effect um that was not bill 101 i think it was bill 22 and it actually, yes famous it was, bill 22 yeah it was one of them that was it was going to force my little brother who was entering school to go to French school. Right. Because mm. neither parent had been educated in English in Canada. In, yes. Even though my dad was British. Yeah. And my mother was Portuguese and uh, their second language or my dad's first language is English, obviously. And uh, my, my mom's uh, first language, uh, second language was, was English, not French. Yeah. So, um, so we actually left and we moved from the bustling metropolis of Montreal <laughs> to, uh, to a tiny suburb of Edmonton called at that time it was 
it was tiny it was spruce grove i think it had like 2500 oh people. i didn't know you lived in spruce grove oh i was a groovy grover the sp- <laughs> ah, is that what they call it the grove uh, the grove yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah i i stayed yeah, there okay. from 12 until i was well part way through university i went right. through a couple of years of university yeah. and and then we moved into edmonton so but um yeah so it was that was a bit of a cultural oh i can only uh, imagine cultural I, change I, 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 yeah I, for the longest time it was always well when i was in montreal and everybody it drove everybody nuts and yeah then, well then yeah so when i i moved out i was 23 so i had deep you know my own entire formative period was in that bicultural yeah and so then i moved to to the west coast to victoria and again you know uh massive cultural massive uh, shift, cultural right? change and, and i remember that yeah when i was in montreal narrative for a long time um i haven't been back for a while i'm i'm, I'm hearing it's lots of good things about montreal and um well montreal kind of uh i think after i left it definitely had a major and i do think it's tied to the uh, you know for lack of better expression cultural change yeah um that was precipitated uh it is uh at the time i left it was pretty especially montreal itself montreal proper and so i grew up like in Hampstead, which is very oh yes that's where we started and then uh, like i think i think i was i was born at queen vec which uh, is now i think being converted into condos it's like one oh, of the yeah. oldest uh uh hospitals in uh, in montreal it's being yeah. converted to uh to uh, uh yeah it's being converted to i think apartments or something like that and Ooh. uh haunted apartments for almost for sure yeah and uh <laughs> that would never we, we were, I, I think we first lived we were across from the university of montreal um okay and, and uh and then we moved to a bigger place and, and i went to school in hampstead where i had to wear like uniforms and boys wore ties. oh yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah yeah very yeah, cute yeah yeah, yeah. And then I went to, uh, and then moved into the Snowden area. So these are quite Anglo right. parts of Edmonton, uh, yeah. of Montreal. And, uh, yeah. and, and then we left. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, it's changed a lot. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, there is way less Anglophone communities and any of the Anglophone communities are at, at a minimum, very bilingual. Yes. There, um, some of the older Anglophone communities, like, uh, my cousin, uh, grew up and still lives in the TMR and or Tanamount Royal, yeah. which was very Anglo is not at all anymore. So. No. Well, I, yeah. I mean, the world has changed. I mean, even the French, you know, the white French would talk, probably talk about this. There's been immigration. That's like there's true. just this, you know, we used to call them, they used to be, they coined the frame allophone. So if you're either English, you're Anglophone, you're French, you're Francophone. And then everything in the middle was allophone, yeah. which is, speak something else and then one of the two languages as your second language yeah um you know it's interesting because as i'm getting older i i've been much more in touch with so you left i stayed and i i remember and it, it's, it's you never want to sort of paint yourself as any kind of victim because it's all relative right? right but i do remember and i think i was impacted in a lot of senses by um, a kind of a, a prejudicial racism or, or languageism, right? That, 
you know, at the time I, I knew was annoying and I found it uh, difficult, but in some respect, it, you know, it kind of left a mark. Like I remember because I had an Anglophone name, French first name, last name, teachers would, would mispronounce my name uh. purposefully. And then I would tell them, you know, this is how you pronounce it. And they would go out of their way. I remember a teacher who you know, really did not um, like me. And I think it was because I was, again, English. I remember us and most of my friends were bilingual, uh, often being told, I'm talking about like grade five, six, yeah. you know, not to speak English, you know, no English on the playground, like almost like uh, uh, you were oh, some kind of, or well, sort of, right. And uh, then I, I remember the, the, deeply immersed in the political cultural thing. And I've come away with it, uh, with, with, um, a couple of observations. Number one, first of all, I have very little patience for what's happening in this province with people going on about well, this Wexit. Oh. And I'm like, you people are morons. Sorry. I mean, I know we don't get political, but so uh, like very little patience for that, but I've also come to gain a certain appreciation for the Quebec culture because it really is a distinct culture. Oh, it really is. You yeah. know, when you look at it, um, they have their own industries around art. They create their own, yeah, their own music industry, their own films. A lot, I mean, a lot of it gets sold to Europe, but they have a vibrant uh, um, uh, society, like this whole bunch of cultural things that have been around for a long time, which they have supported and created, you know, their own TV shows. Yeah. Um, and they couldn't make it work, plus access to a, a major seaport. Yeah. And then I think, you know, these people are are delusional, right? Like Well, and I don't yeah. I don't think I mean they talk about sovereignty. It's like they're running to something, but they haven't got a clue what they're running to. Exactly. The other aspect to um and I was just thinking about this yesterday. We again, there's a lot of people out west here who's who who purport like we're, we're, we're hard done by, you know, blah, blah, blah. When I was a kid and before me, so there was something called the quiet revolution, right. uh, which would have been in the early sixties where basically Quebec became quite secular. There was a rejection of the church, but what I, I don't know that a lot of people know about is there was uh, a, an active form of discrimination. So I remember my uncles talking about when they were, when they were younger, even my dad, Different from my dad because he had an Anglophone name, but I have like uncles on my mom's side. They speak very functional English, if any. But I remember one of my uncles working for a large manufacturer, and it was a known thing that if you were Francophone, French Canadian, you were never moving up into management. Yeah, management right. was not for les Français. You know, they were going to bring people in from Toronto, so it was a, it would have been a uh, it was a Quebec-based company, but. The English were the people who got to be executives. And if you were French Canadian, I think he made it to like shop steward. And that was as high as he was ever going to go. And so there, there really is a legacy of that. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not an animosity, but. Well, like, like uh, signs. Yeah. It's like signs. Yeah. And, and it, it is definitely um, right now, I would say it's flipped quite hard. Oh yeah, because it's now it's the opposite. So if you're uh, an anglophone in, uh, you, you you can't function <laughs> properly anymore because there's, right. a lot of government services aren't available anymore, exactly. and um, so it becomes. <laughs> it, it's maybe a little bit what white people are afraid of, if, <laughs> yeah. if the non-whites take over. 
Are they going to treat us the same way we treated them? Yeah, eh, maybe. They might. <laughs> yeah, well, and I, oh, I'd, I'd say that's that. not good. Well, I, <laughs> well and, and I even experienced it with the company that we merged with out of Quebec. Um, right. Because uh, it was clear that, I mean, it, it was all the little subtle things. So uh, they were looking to try and hire somebody. Uh, I remember they were trying to hire an HR person. And um, it's kind of like they look through the list and they would try and pick out f French names. And um, I mean, they ended up hiring this one candidate and, and she was really quite good. Um, but it was clear that the getting on the initial list was related to her last name. She was she was an Anglophone as much as there she just go. had a French name. It was kind of like a... <laughs> Friend of mine, Tony Thibodeau, very French name, speaks like no French. No, exactly. And, uh, and, and so he was initially very popular with some of the people down east. And then all of a sudden they're going like, but you don't speak French. What's wrong with you? <laughs> when I first moved out west, uh, there was a contractor or something whose last name was, uh, uh, I think it was like Colbert. Yeah. Right. And. But everybody called him Colbert. This yeah. is, you know, so-and-so Colbert. And one time I pronounced it Colbert. And a bunch of people told me, you better not let him hear you Frenchicize his name. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? It's clearly a French name. A French name, right? But they're like, no, no, out here he he pronounces it Colbert or Colbert. And I'm like, that's the way he wants it. Which I, I fine. But I was like taken aback by like the animosity of well it's like uh wow okay I mean, you, you yeah. see you see it all all over the place i mean Whatever. If, you, if you go to nova scotia <laughs> and you go to fortress lewisburg yeah named after king louis the 14th of france which is <laughs> king, king louis, louis. Exactly. <laughs> but here i want to show you some uh we were talking about childhood so uh i was compelled to to pull this out of storage today it's uh it's a it's a bracelet yeah, uh, my with a, son with a bead on is it. thinking about uh, scouting, mm -hmm. and um, and I don't know why confluence of things, but I I was thinking about. Did he ever do scouting? No, he know? hasn't done it yet. But okay. he's thinking about joining. He's looking for o older to make friends. Well, he's no the, the younger one, right? Um, so I was involved with scouting from ten mm -hmm. to about twenty two. Right, okay. or just 21, twenty one rovers, so deeply involved. Yeah, I was a scout and, leader recently. Oh yeah, right. So in Quebec, outside of Montreal, there's a camp um, that I spent a lot of time at. My older son is is thinking of uh, he's going to camp, not next week, the week after, to do pre counselor training okay. for next year. And I did. I worked, you know, at this camp, and I was just immersed in this idea of this camp. Um, I was already thinking about, so this is a, a secret society or, or an honor society of the camp really called the Knights of Tamara. Yes. Oh. And so when you're a boy scout, it was called Camp Tamarakuda. And I just found out yesterday that it's been closed down oh, no. by Scouts Canada and they're reevaluating its fate. And I guess this has raised a lot of, of a lot of people are, are, you know, nostalgic. And, and I got to admit, I feel like if they do shut it down and there's a bunch of reasons it's old, it's, you know, and I don't think Scouts Canada is rolling in cash. No, right? they've These had, they've important. had a huge, are, they've yeah. had huge issues with uh, a reduction. Well, and it had to do with a lot of the scandals uh, in the States and um, 
yeah, they're just basically not doing well, having kind of a boys only, and it's not boys only. No, anymore. it's been immersed for a long time. Yeah, it. Uh, uh, in fact, it, it's not the Boy Scouts in Canada. It's been Scouts Canada for yeah, and in fact, know, twenty years. In fact, uh, for the lo- one of the local uh, troops is all run by women. Yeah. So and uh, which is and but the things they do is pretty pretty awesome. Like. It's really, uh, it's really sad that it's on such a decline because it really gives a huge opportunity for, for kids of all ages to uh, connect with other kids, absolutely, to uh, to spend some time away from their parents, yep, to uh, learn uh, skills that are useful, like uh, how to camp, how to how to use a sleeping bag, how exactly. to start a fire, how to how to deal with the sanitization of dishes at a camp <laughs> like i i learned that that uh, that they have this cool technique that is so effective um especially when you have like a bigger camp with more people you have actually right. three buckets not one not yeah. two everybody usually uses two a soap one and then a rinse but with uh scouts they always had three and the third one was uh clear water with just a cap of Bleach. that's right and you disinfect everything and uh especially with lots of kids that makes what so much i difference. what i remember most about it was the developmental stuff like i'm you know big i've done leadership training i've done leadership development with clients most of the leadership stuff that i i learned really i learned in boy scouts like mm-hmm. by the time i was 15 14 you know i had led you know men into battle but no but 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 younger, younger boys, you know, such a developmental uh, opportunity. And we were a pretty unorthodox troop, you know, a lot of bending the rules. Some of our behavior would be questionable now, but at the time it was that balance of be a kid, have fun, push some envelopes. But at seven o'clock in the morning, when everybody has to be up and we need to be doing, especially for the younger boys, you know, the expectation was you were there, you were, you were getting it done. And so, so this was, um, so Tamarakuta started in 1912 and around 1933, they started this, this honor society. And I remember this was a huge deal. So you'd go to camp several years, you know, you go for a week, this, this summer camp, you're like you said, away from mom and dad and this camp ran year round. So we'd been there in the winter, usually be weekends, but here you're going for summer camp. And after you were a certain level of, of seniority you would get nominated by your your leader so there'd be a kid from every troop for the week that would be nominated for this honor society and it would start the first day they would call people out and it's all based on the knights templar so knight costumes oh really no not white white hoods no, no shields <laughs> swords um the whole spiel right excellent first day at at the assembly because every day there'd be an assembly of all the troops they would call out the squires for the week and they would paint a big purple ring some kind of uh um i don't know it was like some medical thing on your face right and then for that week you were a squire which means a couple things anybody who was a knight that had one of these could order you to do stuff like a bit of a hazing you know at any time and every morning at 7 a.m you had to be down at the boathouse to get re-ringed right and so so the whole thing was about leadership development honor and so you go through the week having to do all of these, you know, hey, squire, you know, go move that rock. Uh, you know. Then on the Thursday night, there was the ceremony. Uh, and it was, a com- it was a combination of jousting 
they've changed it over the years. But when I did it, this would have been oh, shit, in the early mid eighties. Uh, you had to fight with uh, uh, cocoa and uh, uh, grease. So there was this big auditorium. Everybody would come out and then all the squires would basically wrestle, but you were covered with like lard and then you're fighting with, with fries cocoa. So you wind up completely covered with this cocoa. Uh, you had to carve your initials into a rock. You had to find a rock and over the week chip your initials. And then there was a secret ceremony off into the woods with uh, gunpowder and and it was wild. And then you would get your your uh, your bead mm-hmm. and then by Friday morning, you were then knighted. Oh, you'd go in and you'd sign your name in this big register, you get a card. I mean, you know, you're 12, 13 years old, this is a really big deal. Yeah, yeah. And I remember when I was working staff, because I was a knight, all this, I was, uh, every week we would then do the ceremony. So that was an amazing summer because I got to be like, uh, the, the guy that was running the camp was the, the, the chief knight, but I got to be like black knight, which was basically somebody who was uh, abusing or, or like almost like a the sergeant at arms type thing, right? <laughs> I remember we had a kid who freaked out because the guy's throwing fire uh, gunpowder and this kid took off and it's in the middle of the woods and we're like, holy crap, right? So I have to tackle this kid and calm him down. But you know, it was very symbolic. And so last night when I was seeing that the place has been temporarily shut down, I really felt sad. I felt like, you know, here's this from 1933, so almost 90 some odd year, um, well, even older for the camp, you know, idea that every summer kids are, are getting, ind- not indoctrinated, but uh, in- inculcated, uh, inculcated or, or accepted into this program. Uh, and now that comes to an end, I find kind of sad. Yeah, it's it's, a lot of talking. It's almost well, it's almost like uh, our society has kind of gotten away from these any kind of ritualization of of anything. Yeah. And and, you know, there's parts that are useful with ritualization and making making things solemn and important, even if they're not entirely. But but, uh, you know, basically making people and, you know, I'm not going to defend uh, the bad things that happened with scouts because I don't even no, no. know what they are. And uh, they're, you know, they're definitely, you know, it was definitely a sexist organization for a long time, but you know, you got to give, well, they're trying to change. Even and, the Catholic church, you know, any organization <laughs> that issues. has been around for any length of times has got warts. Oh, absolutely. And, um, but the thing about scouts that I was always impressed with, they actually have a fair bit of properties yeah. Um, in cool places uh, that allow for, you know, experiencing, you know, nature, a lot of respect for nature. They, Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, there, there was, um, we went to a scout camp where they actually had, uh, you know, they had uh, canoes and like lots of things <laughs> that you can learn that that yeah. a lot of kids, especially city kids, would not necessarily get any access to. That's right. We had sailboats, so we would sail yeah. and uh, smash the boats together and and, and sink them yeah, and, and have to re- recover them. And the thing I always thought was really <laughs> cool with uh, scouts was, I mean, they would do these these little jamborees or these uh, these um, camp camping events where so there was the leaders, but. The idea with the leaders was they were, and in fact, I think they had a different name for them. Uh, they're, they're changing away from leaders um, because really what they're trying to do is they'll set up the kids for success. So the kids choose the food 
Like they choose mm. what they want to eat and they actually have to make the food. So there'd be like duty rosters. Oh, yeah. This person is, is preparing the food. So, I mean, there were some scout troops where, you know, the parents were still doing everything. Mm. But the one that I was involved with, it was a conscious, deliberate attempt to let the kids do do and a lot of them are like i don't know like which which end of this mixing stick do i use <laughs> and um i think i remember there was a kid we were we were hammering uh using a hammer to make uh, those little cup cars yes okay and uh and uh, you know as a scout leader i was you know helping them and i gave this kid a hammer he says i'm not allowed to use a hammer and go like I mean, it's this little tiny hammer, and uh, I'm going like, no, you can you can use a hammer. No, my mom and dad say I'm not allowed to use a hammer. Not allowed to ever. use a hammer. Not allowed to touch tools. Oh my god! So, and this was uh, this was kind of uh, there were lots of things like that. So these kids, their their world was expanding. So it was quite neat, and especially to see some of these kids who, you know, they're really quiet, but they would just thrive. Like, you know. That's so important. So I, my scout leader, I had a few, but but the guy that that really was the leader for the longer term was a very gruff, uh, blue collar guy, Monsieur Caron, and he had been in the Olympics for oh, wow. judo, and he was the kind of guy who he'd get into. Uh, he didn't take a lot of BS off of anybody, right? Especially other leaders of more, I don't know, uptight troops, right? So yeah. he'd walk around. And he would wear mirrored sunglasses. He's a little pudgy, but you could tell this was a guy. Like, he had a presence, right? Um, it, a kid like this would, I don't know how he would deal with it. Because parents were not in charge. They weren't even allowed to come. You could come to visit, yeah, and parents, that was it. Parents not allowed. He yeah. didn't want want. And um, he was gruff, but it's hard to put into words. But here was a guy who, he basically even through the gruffness, he exuded or he communicated to the kids that they could do it. They could have, and this is where, like I said, I learned to be a leader, but I remember, you know, stuff that nowadays, so a kid was like, I can't remember, he grabs like, like a hot thing. And I remember him slapping out of the kid's hand, you know, be careful, damn it. <laughs> you know, uh, this is in the seventies and eighties. Right. And it was just, but you're going to burn somebody. You know, I'm not going to take you aside and kumbaya you, you know, it's like, boom, right? Yeah. And we had rules if if we were supposed to go uh, canoeing at 10, if the camp wasn't to his liking, um, we didn't go until we were ready to go. This right. is where he'd cause problems because then he'd go down and insist, I don't care that it's 1130, we're going to do the canoe, you know? And they're like, well, these other guys have it now. No, 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 we're doing it. So there was always a bit of, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but... And then as we got older, we started getting into trouble, no drugs, but we would there'd be a lot of alcohol. But again, he was a guy who like he knew what was going on and he had a couple of rules. A, don't cause me trouble. In other words, keep it, you know, uh, on the down low. And like I said, 7 a.m. tomorrow, these young guys who are not part of your little clique there, right? They have the right to the same experience that you had when you were first year which is people who are on and that that would have been his kids right who are there on time and and doing it so it didn't matter how tired you were his rule was you know don't you dare not show up and 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 lead right and i was amazed like at the time you're just thinking 
hey, this is cool, you know, he was letting us give away stuff. But you look back on it now, and you know what a what a well developed, subtle lesson, which is you have accountability, you make choices. If you decide to stay up all night and do stuff you shouldn't be doing, that's up to you. Like, you but know, you're gonna pay the but. There's no excuse in the morning where like, oh, I don't feel well. Like, you know, you can you take the kids canoeing? In fact, I think he would make worse challenges because he knew <laughs> it's hot. Let's get out into the boats and, and let's do this thing, right? Well, you know, the uh, thing that... The, and you, you, yeah, but I don't know that our kids get those experiences these days. Well, and, and even as a leader, I mean, uh, they've gone through and they're far more... Um, far more due diligence there is far more due diligence with respect to people that they put in charge and that may not be obvious to parents but uh like i had to go and do a whole bunch of it was all done online but you couldn't uh, you couldn't jump ahead it was, no no it's like and, the same in sport now uh, there's yeah. there's training for coaches respect in sport and yeah it's all really good stuff you it know? was all really yeah and it was all but it was pretty specific to the there, there was one which was the respect in sport, which I believe is across a bunch of different. Oh, they have it for yeah, all sports, uh, scouting, you know, any any kind of of adult dealing with kids thing. I think they have this now, right? Which is great. It's a great program, and and it makes a lot of sense. And we got lucky because I think there was people who were much less conscientious. I mean, this guy's style was today you'd look at, but the substance underneath it, you know. Uh, I mean, there was lots of abuses. Never with this guy. Like he yeah, always had yeah. the kids. Yeah, and I, I never, you know, I never uh, saw anything even remotely in a position. Uh, the, the dedication, and the other thing that was interesting with scouts is it was quite a range of demographics, right? Like, right. So you had people who, you know, you're scraping together the money to get you to get get uh, the kids there. So they just they did. There was no extra money. There's no extra anything. And there, like there was. I remember we were going camping, and like one of the families, they were they're bringing the. There was no suitcase. It was a bag, a garbage bag full of clothes. And um, but the kid did well, and you know, it's it's kind of like everybody is treated equal, and it's um it's a it's a very uh, you know it's. It's 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 sad that it's going down in terms of popularity because I really think it adds a lot to 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 the experience of kids. They, they get exposed to stuff that they wouldn't necessarily. I, I, as a leader, I got exposed to stuff that oh, sure. I hadn't really thought about or been experienced with previously, and I learned from some of the other leaders. Yep. And uh, so well, and and even when I was getting out of it, which is a long time now, they were already starting to integrate girls. Yeah, you yeah. know, so it was it was at least in Canada here, it was quite on the forefront. Uh, do we have time for one quick quick story? Yes. Okay, so. Again, mentorship. So not only did we have this guy, but eventually as we, we became a little bit older, we went into ventures and we had a gentleman who was our, for about a year, was again, volunteering. He didn't even have kids now that I think about it, but he was a military guy and he's a bit of a goof, uh, at least, you know, like he was not socially smooth, you know, but very nice man. I remember he had this Volvo. And it it must have had 300,000 miles on it. Like, and he kept driving this thing. And my friend being terrified because like the battery for was inside the car oh, on wow. the floor, okay. you know. And I remember he was going to teach us how to uh, 
uh, change a tire. Okay. And it used to drive us everywhere in this Volvo, right? And this thing was not safe. So we said, well, we got, we're going to practical skills, right? I'm going to teach you boys how to change a car. So he brings this old, and it was a station wagon. I remember it was like blue, well, blue and rusty, right? So we start cranking up. I was like, maybe it was the driver's side back to change the tire. And the damn frame separated from the body. Boom. Oh, no. <laughs> His name was Pete. And Pete doesn't miss a beat. He's like, well, why don't we change the tire on the other side? So we just took the jack with we're like, now let's all get in this car. And, and we'll, we'll drive, drive We'll drive to camp. It's like, this, this frame is not hanging <laughs> on to this thing, right? So, but, you know, that's mentorship. I mean, he was a guy who was... Like, so you'd go with him, he just the way he would wear his hat, it was like, and you're, yeah, like you're 15, and it's like, I don't want to be associated with this guy, but you know, he was kind, he was responsible, he was really, his heart was in the right place, you know, trying to give us advice on stuff. And I did not appreciate him very much at the time, kind of, but you know, but now I think back and say, I mean, wow, like, what, you know, what a, a rich experience to have just these different adults. Uh, so yeah, I, I I do think it's sad. And if my son wants to pursue it, uh, we're definitely going to um, encourage it. I don't know how involved I'm going to get because again, I have sometimes this tendency, you know, because I got the Chief Scout Award, so I was like at the top of whatever. I can show you my sash. It's like every badge, you know, gold level yeah. badge, and 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 I don't want to impinge on Isaac yeah. to say, well, you need to perform or the program. You know, this is how it used to be 30 years ago. I'm sure it's completely different. And, yeah. and so I may just stay out of it. But I think there's still so much value in those experiences. Whether I, I it, think uh, so, too. Yeah. Um, well, it's interesting. I, I'm not sure this is where we started in terms of what we're going to talk about. But I think that was that was really useful. Let's talk about media in terms of, have you been consuming any media? Uh, what have I been consuming? I'm still watching Ozark and enjoying it. Uh, I took a, a little break from it. I'm really looking forward to the next uh, Marvel show again, because it's our family connection. She-Hulk. Uh, She-Hulk, which I think starts Thursday. Yes. It's yeah, this I think week. that's going to be fun with uh, Ruffalo. And uh, I'm rereading Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, uh, which I want to do. Uh, I want to start creating more content for my business. And mm -hmm. one, of, one of the things I want to do is these these five key takeaway little book reviews, business books. And okay. so I'm, I'm rereading that one. And you know, the thing I find when you read a book like that in your late twenties and in someone in your thirties, like you your just have such a different, different. perspective. It's yeah. almost like a different book. Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah. No, cause I probably the last time I read it, I didn't have kids and the whole introduction is around the, the dynamic with his teenage kids. And I'm like, Oh man, this is totally different. Right. <laughs> in terms of relevance. So, so I'm rereading that. What about you? Well, I watched the end of Sandman. Yes. Which, did you uh, enjoy it? I did. It was uh, it was interesting. The characters are quite interesting. It well, I find it it's just very creative uh, and and imaginative because it is it is just quite different from certainly from any superhero regular kind of stuff. Right. It exists in the same world as kind of John. Constantine, but it is way more. 
Yeah. And um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. And I did say that about halfway through in the fifth episode, it was kind of like they, it was almost like two seasons in one series. Mm, mm. Because um, especially with a lot of Marvels, you basically, or, or the, some of the Marvel uh, series and the Star Wars series, they're kind of like a movie that's too long to be a movie. So they break them up. Yeah. Especially like uh, right. Obi-Wan was like, they just, like chapter one, chapter two. Right. But it, it was basically a the book of Boba Fett. Yeah, and even the the each episode was different lengths because yes. they they divided it up as it made most sense. Right. Rather. Than, yeah. Moon Knight was the same way, right? They're yeah. Just... And um, but uh, this one it was kind of like the first five episodes was kind of like one season. Okay. Uh, and then the the second five was a different season. Interesting. Um, same characters building upon it it was but it was good i enjoyed it the characters are just so imagine the the imagination to come up with those characters yeah. is quite interesting yeah i'm thinking of checking it out the dc the dc universe could use some wins it's been a it's been a rough go i, I like with it. this whole corporate merger and now they've canceled like i think that batwoman movie looked kind of goofy uh so maybe it was a smart decision, although it seemed like it was more uh, uh, based on, you know, bean counters and, and uh, tax break stuff. Now the Flash movie, that was up in the air because Ezra wow, Miller because has lost Ezra his... Mount- <laughs> But apparently he just released a statement um, acknowledging that he's having a significant um, uh, personal issues. That he's going to be seeking treatment. Uh, it sounded really, really weird. Because there's some... There's some crazy stuff there, yeah, right? Yeah. But um, it's a two hundred million dollar movie. That's a lot of money to just go. We're gonna we're gonna shelf this thing. So hopefully it'll be yeah. decent. It's got Michael Keaton in it. So the return of Michael Keaton. Is there anything else that you've been consuming? Uh, no, not really. I've just me been... neither. I mean, I went camping, so I didn't really yeah. watch anything. Well, it's end of terms. So I've been marking papers and consuming that uh with those paranormal podcasts just to keep myself uh a little distracted yeah but, well and there's all that trump stuff going on it's a bit oh my god it's hard to keep track with you know on. it's so i think so many people have made the point that here we go again and you don't well this is trump world i mean this is what it was like the entire time he was yeah uh, president this one's pretty wild man oh man i mean he he initially said uh they they took my passports uh they stole three passports one expired i'm going like why do you have two passports well apparently it turns out it was two expired and no apparently you also get the president has a diplomatic passport. Okay. And then you've got your, you know, Joe Schmo regular citizen passport. Uh, the diplomatic one, no longer applicable once right. you become. Um, but Michael Cohen's having a good time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I've never seen the, the grin on that guy's face every time he shows up. He does his own uh, Mia Culpa as his podcast. Or he's been doing the rounds again. And he's just like, he's, he's there loving, for it. He's loving it. So I don't know what's going to happen. I last I heard, now Rand Paul apparently has said uh, we need to repeal the Espionage Act. You know, because Rand it's, Paul uh, is because the it's, because most unreliable. it was established in, in after World War One, and it's it's unfair and it's never been. People are like World War One, dude. That's like a hundred years ago. Like no coincidence that your guy gets tagged with this, and suddenly now now you go like, oh, this is a total travesty of of 
of the, well, the Constitution. Rand, Rand, Rand Paul during the COVID, <laughs> COVID stuff, he was going on and he, he made it clear to everybody who would listen that he was a doctor. Yes, he's uh, an ophthalmologist. But he's, No, he's not an ophthalmologist. He's an optometrist. Oh, an optometrist. He's not even an ophthalmologist. It's an optometrist. And uh, and so, like, what the hell that has to do with with uh, virology or yeah, like that? I exactly. Mean, it, I mean, it's like having somebody with their PhD in I don't know English literature. Or, yeah, you're a doctor, but you're you're not the right kind of doctor. Yes, insist that you be called doctor. Yeah. So. Is there a doctor in the house? I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. This man yes. is having a heart attack. Well, I'm a doctor of philosophy. Yeah, is it Edgar Allan Poe or <laughs> did he ever really live? <laughs> You're not helping. <laughs> anyway, that's it for this week. Um, I got some ideas on what we can do for upcoming uh, episodes, right? Um, and um, and apparently you're headed to the beach after the show here today. So. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just nice and warm. It's the advantage of being kind of semi-retired. Semi-retired. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, was that like semi-pregnant? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. As usual, Mark, thank you. And Thanks for the coffee. It was really good. It was really good. And uh, we'll see everybody uh, in seven days. Yeah. Right on. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Bye.